You're listening to the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast, a show for pharmacist healthcare providers who have answered the call to practicing on purpose. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized HIV pharmacist, author, speaker, patient advocate, and president of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services, and your Conscious Pharmacist, Michelle Sherman. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This is Michelle Sherman, president of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services and your host for the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, our episode is critically important. It is so important with things that have been going on in the world in 2020, but my guest today is a great friend of mine, a fellow advanced practice pharmacist, um, somebody who I admire, who works in his community, does so much good in his community, and we are here for a course today that is extraordinary. Um, I'd like to introduce um, my friend, Dr. Michael Daher, a fellow advanced practice pharmacist owner of Pax um, Pharmacy in Duarte, California, in the San Fernando, in the San Gabriel Valley. And we're here today because Michael is instrumental in helping the people of Lebanon after this catastrophic bomb blast that happened on August 4th. Um, it's a personal issue for Michael. It's, it's, it's actually a personal global issue for all of us. But I want to introduce Michael today, and we are going to talk about how we as pharmacists and listeners to the Pharmacy Podcast Network, this podcast, the Conscious Pharmacist Network, how we can make a difference, how we could be conscious, making a difference to the people of the world and to the people of Lebanon. Today, we are all Lebanon. Michael. Thanks for being on the show today. It's it's my absolute pleasure. I, would you like me to call? It? I I've, I always joke with the with the doctor title that it's all, just Mike. I always tell my students as well. On top of the pharmacy, I teach at Marshall B. Ketchum uh, School of Pharmacy in Fullerton. So I always tell them, nah, just call me Mike." So would you like to call me? Would you like me to call you Doctor Sherman, or would you like Michelle? Mish, <laughs> Mike and Mish. This because, is you know, Mike my, and Michelle. My, my legal name is also Michelle. So I, you, uh, we got two Michelles on the podcast today. So it's, it's beautiful. Thank you for that very warm introduction. You, you hit the nail right on the head, Michelle. Um, you and I were talking offline prior to coming on. And on, to, on top of talking about everything we've, what we've started with, what we went through, how we got here. One of the things that I, I wanted to highlight and one of the things that I continue to tell everybody is through everybody's generosity and support, we are all Lebanese. And that is the most humbling, most beautiful aspect of humanity. And as we've said here in the midst of a, a pandemic that's affected people financially, emotionally, uh, mentally, uh, just the fact that everybody has been able to step up. And today is the 13th or 14th, if I'm not mistaken. The 15th so this, today. This is the 15th. Okay. So we, this is only 11 days out from that blast. And we have done so much. And it's not possible without the support of so many. So I'm looking forward to highlighting all that's happened. I want to give you a big thank you on behalf of our group, the Middle East Pharmacy Association and the American Lebanese Medical Association are two nonprofits that are on the ground taking donations and getting things shipped. We wanted to thank you for welcoming me on today. 
and uh, let's let's talk. Let's let's go ahead and get into it. Where would you like to start? No, thanks, thanks, Mike. My pleasure. Like, um, so maybe tell our listeners, like from the beginning, the bomb went off on August fourth. This massive bomb in the harbor of, of Beirut. Um, let, let our listeners know why that, how that affects you personally. Um, I know you have family um, in in Lebanon and. Um, how how did, how did this call to action happen and where did you go from the bomb blast to all the pallets and goods that sure. you have today to get sure. it to Beirut? Sure. So my so yes, my my parents both, my dad Albert and my mother Fadia, uh, they they are uh, Im- Lebanese immigrants. Uh, for the when you look at the history of Lebanon. Beirut itself was called the Paris of the Middle East. It was the most beautiful place in the Middle East. It had the most tourism. This was in the 70s. Everybody went to Beirut. Uh, In 1975, civil war started, and it resulted in all of my uncles, my aunts, my grandparents, everybody fled Lebanon. So I'm I'm a first-generation American here. Uh, My whole life, unfortunately, anytime I, I turn on the news and I see Lebanon, you never see anything good coming out of, out of Lebanon. All you really see is a bomb, war, bloodshed, something. So I, I thought it was just another another day and something else happened. I, I woke up that morning and I saw my phone. People were texting me, hey, a bomb went off in Beirut. I, I looked at the video and I know we've all seen it. The first initial video that came out was somebody within the port. So you didn't see how big of the how big a bomb it was. The other thing is there was a photo or a video taken from maybe about a quarter mile away and those people were actually featured on Instagram. They, they are alive as well. But after looking at it again, I thought, oh, that's a big, that's a big bomb. But it, you still didn't realize how big it truly was. Then more angles started coming out. And these are people that were miles away, even on jet skis in the, in the harbor, in the water. They were out a mile, two miles away from it. So after, we, you start, after more footage came out, you saw that this bomb, it had the mushroom cloud. It was massive. And the ricochet and the, the force of the shock that came from it after this, we were getting calls from our family that lived 10 miles away up in the mountains, 10 miles away from the blast. And they said that their home, all the glass, the doors were blown off and the glasses were shattered. Wow. Then the photos, the photos from our family started coming in. One of my, one of my mother's uh, cousins works in the port of Beirut and he actually was able to leave maybe 30 minutes prior his office is demolished. I mean, he went back and took a photo and I, I will share that with you so you can show your listeners. It, it, uh, I mean, when you, when you look at the photos, you, you, you just don't even, you don't even know how to process it. And on record, just to give people perspective, your, your listeners perspective, this was the third largest explosion to ever go off in the history of the world as we know it. There was Hiroshima, there was Nagasaki, and then there was Beirut. This ammonium nitrate that lit was 1,750 tons, 2,750, sorry, 2,750 tons of ammonium nitrate. This was one-fifth the size of Hiroshima. So this was one-fifth the size of the biggest nuclear bomb to go off in the history of the world. Um, So woke up, read the news, as I started seeing more and more, and of course with social media, news travels faster than, than ever before. We started seeing the hospitals getting inundated. We started seeing people carrying bodies through the street. We started seeing blood all over the place. We started seeing mass hysteria, mass panic. And for the first couple of days, it, you know, the, the five phases of, of death, I mean, 
first there was there was shock, then there was disbelief, and then there was sadness and depression. And and I think it was finally about day that happened on a Tuesday morning. So then I think by Friday, I think once we'd kind of licked our wounds a little bit, we decided, okay, it's done. Now there's a need. What do we got to do? So we we had one of our one of our members in our group. His name is Akram, A K R A M. He let us know that his uh, his uncle is a physician in the middle over in Lebanon. We uh, we he reached out one of the big nonprofits. Probably this is like the the county hospital. You know, this is the one that people don't want to go to, but they have to go to because it's a last resort. This hospital is called uh, Rafiq Hariri Hospital. We were instructed that they had a big need for oncology meds, things like Lovenox, IV baggies, antibiotics, typical, you know, all the stuff typical of a blast. They needed over-the-counter items like gauze, band-aids, strip pads, all that. So we, we spoke with the CEO of the hospital. His name is Dr. Uh, Fetis Abyad. So we spoke with him Saturday morning. Sunday, we threw up a GoFundMe. We started promoting and saying, we have this list. They sent us a list. This is what we're trying to compile. For anybody that can help, please help. Also, prior to that, we, we, we put a video on social media on behalf of the pharmacy, Pax Pharmacy. Got about 10,000 views on Facebook and on um, Instagram. This was shared all over the world, all throughout the Middle East, all throughout Europe, all throughout Australia, New Zealand, believe it or not. We were getting calls, getting support. We made a GoFundMe that Sunday. And then within two days, we raised $25,000. And on Monday, I went into work. We got the list. Spent about five, six hours looking to see what $21,000, because at the time we had about 20, 21. So we said, what's, what is 20 to $21,000 look like? So we fiddled and played and, and we looked at their list. What's feasible? What's not feasible? There, there's a big need, for instance, for the, uh, the, the tetanus shots. There's a big need. After that blast, a lot of people need tetanus shots. So we were able to get them 10 boxes, 100 shots. I know that's nothing for a country of 4 million, but, you know, something is something. And we were able to get, the, get those meds. They came in Tuesday. We had a group of volunteers. There were maybe, maybe about 15 of us. I have photos of all this. Then it became time to box. It became time to make a manifest list. What's in each box? Let's tape. Let's move. Let's heavy lift. All in all, it turned out we had about 1,300 pounds worth of meds boxed, ready to ship. We partnered with our colleagues at the Armenian Relief Society who have a plane that left this morning. As of about an hour ago, it is now airbound. And it is on its way to the U.S. Embassy, where it will then be picked up by the hospital to give to the patients. That's in, in, incredible. That call to action and just getting it done within like days. Um, like you say, it's 11 days ago and there's already a plane bound, bound for Beirut. That, that is incredible. I mean, the world is dealing with so much with COVID-19 and all the struggles just here in California, um, you know, as pharmacists and trying to take care of our patients and being on the front lines every single day, that, that this call to action was extraordinary. So um, the Conscious Pharmacist podcast, our nonprofit, the Center for Advanced Pharmacist Care um, is going to put out um, a, a donation page for people to go to and all the, all the funds that are donated through our nonprofit will go directly um, to you and, and the organizations, um, the Lebanese Medical Association, um, the uh, Middle East Pharmacists Association to buy whatever it is that you need. Um, we'll share the list um, on, on this um, transcript so people can donate directly as well, like um, 
whether they medical supplies, drugs. Um, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking offline about um, the convents that are taking in people to shelter them and, and yes. feed them. Um, you know, the food, blankets, clothing, things like that, what, whatever it takes will, yes. will assist in, in helping you get those things. So maybe can you let, let them know what's going on with, with the convents as, as well? And yes, what doing? yes. So the, the only thing I neglected to say was it, we, I reached out to a local, one of our local congressmen to inform him of what we, what we were doing. He put me on the phone with one of the ambassadors, formerly of the Middle East, who's retired, who's kind of leading the, the charge now. We, we, we met a bunch of nonprofits. Um, and again, our, our mission started uh, spreading. So we got anonymous donations from hospitals. I mean, we, not only did we send 1,300 pounds, we literally have about 40 pallets worth of medical supplies that have been donated to us via the hospitals. We were able to partner with a couple of the airlines. I mean, I can always release the names later. They, they just want to be anonymous for now as we move mm -hmm. forward. But 40 pallets worth of goods. And in addition, the United States response has already sent multiple pallets to the hospitals that we found out. 108 pallets are going to the four major hospitals in Beirut, which a lot of people think right now, like we need to support the hospitals. And that was our initial response within the first few days. But now we, we've learned that not only have other countries like uh, Saudi Arabia and Italy and France and all these, all these pallets have arrived at the four major hospitals in Beirut, which are the Lebanese American University, the American University of Beirut, Hotel Dieu, which means Hotel of God, like the Hotel of God, and um, Rafiq Hariri Hospital. So our, our focus now is we know that these hospitals are taken care of by the big, by the big players. So our, our thought was, how can we help next? What can we do to make a real impact? Because like we said, $21,000 worth of meds for a big public hospital like that it's a band-aid. I mean, realistically, we gave them maybe a week's worth of stuff, but it's just not, that's not something sustainable that a group of pharmacists and doctors are able to, from here, are able to coordinate and do every day. So then we started, I started getting calls after people had seen what we'd done. And I'm, I was told about three separate convents that have opened up their doors and are housing people of every religious background. So one convent, for instance, has about 50 families living with them. One has about 30, and there's another convent that has, uh, I believe it's about 40 or 50 also. So the requests now are a little more simple. The, the other thing we learned is we got reached out to by a nonprofit clinic that's also seeing patients from everybody that is not receiving aid internationally. They, they have asked us for a couple items that might be a little more difficult to obtain. They asked us for a Holter monitor, an electrocardiogram machine, and a, a transesophageal echo machine as well. So we're, we're working our, our contacts there to see if we can get any of those. But our thought was it's time to help the people that are not receiving federal aid. So our, our focus now is to work with these convents and they're asking for simple things. They're asking for water, food, blankets, clothing, and medications. Uh, and these are just simple maintenance meds. We're talking blood pressure, diabetes, thyroid, things like that. Our focus now is we wanna make sure the meds get on the ground, make sure that everything takes place with Rafi Hariri. And next week we're gonna begin our efforts to start accumulating these simple supplies so we can get those to Beirut as well. But I mean, again, the, the fact of the matter is the, they've opened up their homes every, I think you and I had already spoken. So just for, just for context, Lebanon is about 4,000 miles, 4,000 miles long. It's about, that's, that's about it. It already had 450,000 refugees living in it because of this blast. It has now displaced another 300,000. So we have almost a million out of 4 million people displaced which is frightening it's 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 sad it's devastating and while 
we keep thinking, we know that we're not going to be able to help and heal everybody. The fact of the matter is, if we can help and heal somebody, I think that is saying a lot. And I, I think we sleep at night knowing that although we're thousands of miles away, we're able to make a, we're able to do something. And I, I think that's our call to action. Let's do something. And for all your listeners, um, I hope, you know, I, I was once told at a, at a wedding, I gave a speech for one of my best friends. Uh, the bride's uncle came up to me and told me, son, you talked way too much. And this was a gentleman that had dementia. So he, this was a gentleman with dementia who told me that. So the fact that he remembered my five minute speech, I hope, you know, I just want to apologize. I hope, I hope, I hope it's an interesting topic. I, I hope I didn't bore anybody, but we're excited. We're passionate. We want to offer aid. Uh, Le- I mean, Lebanon is this country that was already in an economic downfall. There's no money in the banks. There's inflation on all the products. There's no meter chicken in the, in, the, in the grocery stores. The World Bank estimated it was going to take $93 billion to bail Lebanon out. And that was before the blast went off. So now let's double it, maybe two, $300 billion to get the country back to where it was. I mean, it's, it, it's, it, when I say that the conditions were dire prior to this blast going off, this blast has only made things worse. And to have so many refugees and so many displaced people, that it, you know, let's let's do what we got to do. Let's help, and I let's do what we got to do. No, let's help. A- absolutely, and uh, you know, to all the listeners out there, it is extraordinary. You know, like like Mike said, you know, we can't help everybody, but to that one person, those multiple people out of these thousands, tens of thousands of people that are displaced, that difference you make to one person is the world. So. It is. It, it, it is. is the world. So it matters. It matters. And we as pharmacists, we do extraordinary work in our communities every day. And to me, the world is a global community. What happens in Lebanon happens to all of us. Those people being displaced displaces us. And it matters. And we can and we must make that difference. We have to. Because in order for us to make our communities better, all the communities have to be better. Just the fact that you said there are 450,000 refugees in Lebanon, just think about the country of Lebanon, that it has been through so much hell and destruction. They are taking in refugees. They are literally accepting refugees constantly. That tells you the spirit of the Lebanese people that we as Americans owe it to the country of Lebanon to do everything we can to help, to give donations, to give meds, to give blankets, to give foods. It is. I care. I wanted to share one story when my mother was, when my mother was immigrating from Lebanon to the United States. So this again, so Lebanon has a big population of, of everybody. I mean, we have, there are more Lebanese outside of Lebanon. There's an estimated 14 million Lebanese outside the country. I mean, it, not only refugees and not only war with everything else. When my mother was coming to the country, she was on a bus going to the airport with a, bu- with a, lot, with a lot of Armenian people that spoke Arabic, but they had been displaced because of their war. So they were coming to the United States and my mother was actually the only one that was able to speak English and Arabic. So she talked to the government officials in, Engl- in, in Arabic and then she started translating it to them in Arabic. They were translating to one another in Armenian. So she was literally the one, I apologize, she was talking in English with the, with the US customs officials. And she was the one filling out all the paperwork for the 50 people on that bus to allow them into the country. This was back in the 70s. I mean, it, 
when I say displace, I mean, we now have 750, almost a million people have lost their homes, never had a home, or are in need of direct aid. Another thing I wanted to bring up is we've had donations of diapers, baby formula. I mean, we have not only, just think, we don't only have adults that are, are starving and hungry. We have children. I mean, we have, we have babies. I mean, we have, uh, you see everybody, you see everybody. And there's a big need for just about everything. So whatever you can spare. I know that times are tough financially. Tough are the, the times are tough on us, given our COVID, given our experiences, given everything we're going through. I know we have things that we need to fix here in America as well. But if there's anything that you can spare, we will gladly accept it and just believe that it's going straight directly to aid the people of Lebanon who, if we have a house and we're able to sleep at night, we're doing pretty good. Keep in mind, there's almost a million people that don't. So whatever we can do to assist them, you've done a good thing in this world. Oh, absolutely. And I echo that. And um, to all the pharmacists out there, um, you know, I'm always preaching to be the change, be the change. I want to tell you, everybody out there and the extraordinary work you do and to Mike and, you know, all your colleagues doing this work, we are the change. We don't need to be the change. We are the change. So I want to thank you. Um, for, for coming on the show. We're going to share all these links on, on here and um, ways you can get a hold of Mike, um, donating through um, the Center for Advanced Pharmacist Care and all the other GoFundMe things. We as pharmacists, we are going to mobilize and we are going to help Beirut. I want to thank you again, Mike, for being on the show and um, all the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. I just want to tell your listeners, you are so lucky to have somebody as influential and inspiring as Michelle to listen to. Michelle and I, a quick background on Michelle and I, we gave a, we co-gave a lecture at a conference maybe a year, year, two years ago, I think. And not only was I floored by the immediate teamwork that you and I had and the slides that we made and the presentation that we gave, but you, I mean, we always saw eye to eye right off the bat. So Thank you for welcoming me on, again, on behalf of the Middle East Pharmacy Association, the American Lebanese Medical Association, on behalf of all the people of Lebanon, my family especially that I can speak for, and my brothers and sisters on the ground there. Thank you to you, Michelle. Thank you to your listeners. And if you guys have any questions, I, like we said, will put my stuff and reach out. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to tell you more, whatever you can do. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. Great. Thank, thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Pharmacist podcast. We hope you subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you miss something, you can listen again or just read the transcript of the show on our website at mishrxconsulting.com forward slash podcasts. If you have a spare minute, don't forget to give us a review or rating on iTunes. Remember to practice on purpose. You're a rock star pharmacist and healthcare provider. And in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. The Conscious Pharmacist podcast is a production of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services, your HIV pharmacist and pharmacy experts.